Cool, man. Action. We've got a lot to talk about. Yeah. The world's kind of uh, in a crazy spot at the moment, huh? Yeah, I wish it was um, <clears throat> better terms. It definitely hasn't left us void of content. No, definitely not. War makes for content. War makes a lot of content. War makes sure. a lot of content. It's just, um, it's gnarly. It's yeah. important that we talk about this, though. Yeah, definitely. And I will say that I've been looking forward to talking to you about this for quite some time. For people, we haven't talked about the Ukraine war. We've exchanged information. I can tell you one thing for certain. Uh, the first thing that Tom and I both did was go heavy into research because um, that's kind of our impulse. So um, this will be fresh and raw. I don't know what you're what you've learned, and I don't know what you don't know what I've learned. So yeah, my my big thing was trying to figure out the um, geopolitical, I guess, pressures. Yeah, trying to figure out why Russia was doing what they were doing. You know, yeah, what Putin wanted with Russia or with Ukraine. You know, because I was like, okay, like why? You know, yeah. I did see people with some terrible takes online that he's a greedy <laughs> greedy bad boy who like <laughs> wants everything you know and it's like yeah like maybe but that's not it's not why he's invading a country yeah right? and you know and so tom uncovered a great video on youtube that we have exchanged and actually we've transcribed some of that video and we've got it in our notes um it explains very in depth why it is that putin has the um, feels the need to do this. Um, yeah. And, I, and okay. where it all comes from. Yeah. I, I think the video is actually titled, um, what Putin wants with Ukraine. And it was put out by a channel called real life lore who puts out a lot of great content. I was actually waiting for them to put out a video on this topic because they've done such a good job covering conflict in the past. Yeah. Um, and interestingly enough, they ended up he, the guy who made the video, he was, he started making the video like five weeks ago. And then right. as he got around towards wrapping it up, Russia invades Invaded. Ukraine. Yeah. yeah. Like when so you he see had this. All the, he had all the research done, right. you know, and then just had to put it in the context of like what was actually happening in real time. So it was honestly wild timing and there's very, very informative video. Highly recommend checking it out. Right. So a um, couple of housekeeping notes. We have gotten approval from Spotify to do videos. So if you're watching this on Spotify, you can also do the whole like Joe Rogan thing where you can see us like talking on video. Um, so that's kind of cool, kind of fun. If, if you know, you want to see some more live reactions, that's just another option for what Spotify is doing for podcasts. Um, yeah, we, we, we don't always do video, but we try and do it um, pretty much as much as we can. There, there's a lot of uh, little components and wires and stands and things that have to come together to actually record this record the video content and sometimes we forget one of them or something yeah so we're going to be talking about russia um we're going to go into it we're going to understand this guy putin we're going to talk about the history and then we're going to get into some kind of more um philosophical questions about the future what might come of this what the opportunities are where the pitfalls are so Let's tune in. Yeah, I'm kind of interested on listening back on this podcast. Absolutely. In the future, seeing what it was like to be alive at this time. Let's go.
Yeah. Is Russia doing what it has to do? Mm. Well, like, is, is Russia forced into the situation or is it, you know, decades of bad decision making that have made them so reliant on controlling Ukraine, you know? Yeah. And I think the, I think where we, where we need to start and it's super important is to understand the history. Yeah. Um, you're not going to hear that on the, you know, the mainstream media. They're not going to give you the full story. You know, they don't have enough time to explain it. You know, it's they're They're going for sound bites and clicks and, you know, a quick 30 second, um, overview. It's like, we, we really do need long form content, um, from people who do understand the topics at least somewhat. Um, to be able to kind of digest this stuff, which is why I love YouTube videos because you're actually able to, um, to, to get learn. a, yeah, to get a better sense of what is, what are the real pressures, um, and driving forces that are at work. Well, and I think that, that like podcasts are kind of late on talking about this, um, mainly because a lot of podcasts have a specific format or they, you know, like Joe Rogan hasn't at least yet had somebody, talk about it because he'll need to find a Russia expert to come on the show, which I'm sure he's working on. Sure. Um, But this will give a nice little precursor to it. Um, I wanted to start, if if you don't mind, Tom, just um, going through some of the history uh, from the video that you sent me um, and kind of just explaining that to people so that they understand it. So I might just work through the notes that I've taken from the transcript. Yeah. And then you just chime in for things that I miss because um, there's going to be things that kind of I gloss over. Yeah. Um, Let's, uh, so today is March 3rd of 2022. Yes. Just so that we all, so we have that context. Um, in terms of like what's happening with Ukraine right now, um, just, you know, as, as a quick bit of context. Um, yeah, obviously Russia invaded Ukraine five days ago, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, has seven days ago, I think seven. they're starting their second week here. Okay. So yeah, starting the second week, um, they have not taken Kiev at this point. Um, they took a city, I believe on the Dnieper river. Kharkiv. Kharkiv. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, they took that today. Um, a nuclear plant just caught fire moments ago. Yeah. Like we'll, this is breaking news. Yeah. We'll discuss that. Um, later in the episode. Um, I'm, I'm just trying to give you guys, I guess, a sense of what Where was we go- are. Because this is an ever-changing situation, and it changes very quickly. Um, so by the time this is out, I'm sure that the whole landscape will be completely different. It'll be completely different news. Um, so I'm just trying to give you a sense of where things are at um, temporally as we are currently discussing this stuff. Yeah, that's super helpful. Um, so looking at the situation here, yeah, um, yeah, give us a little bit of background. So basically what w- just we're, we're paraphrasing from this video of it's t- titled why Russia is invading Ukraine. Okay. Um, and basically j- just as context, people know this, but Russia put about 200,000 soldiers along um, the Russian and Belarus uh, borders. Um, they put their tanks, they put their artillery there. Um, they put their field hospitals across their border. Um, and, uh, and they've moved in. Um, as context for the size of the Ukrainian army, just so that we know what's happening, um, the Ukrainian r- army has roughly the same amount of troops. So Russia put 200,000 troops. I think that the Ukrainian army is about 190,000 troops. Okay. Um, so that just kind of gives a little bit of context on, 
you know, just the, the rough, uh, you know, uh, positioning, uh, that's happening here. Um, and then obviously just something that's important to note is there are two republics that before invading, uh, Putin recognized that they were, uh, sovereign nations, um, kind of declared them to be sovereign. That's the Donetsk and Luhansk, uh, regions, which, which were, yeah, separatist, um, regions that Russia was funding, um, and providing with, yeah, military support, um, weapons, all that good stuff to, uh, effectively, yeah, separate from, from Ukraine proper. And they've used that, um, yeah, actually we, we can talk about that later. Yeah. They, yeah. Well, and so they, 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 those are considered part of like the forces working against the Ukraine army yes um and then also crimea was taken by uh the russians and so their position around crimea effectively for those of you that haven't seen the map they're they're basically swarming um you know circling uh the ukraine and yeah and, and yeah they, they have control of pretty much the entire southern coast um and obviously belarus to the north and russia to the east so it's i mean yeah and it's it, it at this point i think it's safe to say that it's working well for russia um the ukrainians are doing an amazing job fighting but this military is very sophisticated and much more sophisticated in terms of machinery and weaponry um the ukrainians are very much outmatched russia can fight a long war um ukraine cannot that's right that's right and i think that what the ukrainians have done to date has been um they've probably created a long war which russia wasn't expecting i think that i think russia and honestly i think most of the world was probably expecting a afghanistan 2.0 a swift russian victory yeah yeah i think is what was expected yeah and some state department the state department did say that they envision that this could be a, t- a 10 to 20 year conflict in, in the Ukraine. Whoa. That's crazy. Which, you, well, because... What does it even look like? You know, I mean, it's... Zelensky, I think, kind of created this thing because what ended up happening was sure. his belief in his leadership in the country, um, you know, and how he stood up to fight rather than run when he was offered a ride. The whole, I don't need... I don't need a ride. I need ammo thing to the U S is pretty legit. He did an absolutely fantastic job getting the media and getting Western attention on the side of Ukraine. What he did, honestly, in my opinion, was one of the most um, admirable things I think I've ever seen in my lifetime. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was spectacular. It It was amazing to witness in real time. Yeah. Yeah, it was the first uh, glimpse at the glory that comes from some of this stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, Absolutely. And the bravery. Yeah. And that the, the stories that are coming out of this, um, coming out of the Ukrainian, of Ukrainian bravery is amazing. Oh my gosh. One, one video of a civilian taking a landmine off the road. Have you seen that video? Yes, I have He's seen that. He's smoking a cigarette, carrying this landmine off the road. It's like this full Slavic spirit that's just fantastic and then you have the the radio messages of um the military base on that island who 
they told the Russian warship to go fuck themselves yeah. <laughs> before they got blown up, right? And they lived. Did you hear that they Oh, lived? they lived. They lived. Oh, awesome. Yep. That's, yep. that's fantastic. I'd love to hear that. So here's, here's a couple interesting weird things that happened. I'm putting my computer up on this. Oh, actually, wait. Um, so Fox News just wrote this article about this um, Ukrainian hacker who has, um, basically, he doesn't have any fighting skills, but he's a hacker. Yeah. And he, um, he uh, you know, Fox News shows him. Um, and they wrote this article about this Ukrainian hacker. And I was like, what the hell? And so I decided to read it. I've got it up on the screen here. But literally... Um, <laughs> I know this guy, this Ukrainian guy who like I worked with him. No I way. hired him off of Upwork, which is like a freelance thing. His name's Petro Simbolinsky. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, like I video chatted with that guy. Here he is, right here. Let me see this dude. on Fox News. That no dude. Shit. I was like, holy shit, I know that guy. And they're talking about how he's like, he's taken down like Russian, like like Kremlin websites and like <laughs> shit. And I was like, I've literally, I have that guy's email. Dude, that's fantastic. Also, sorry, I didn't shoot, shoot, shoot him an email of support. I know I was yeah. going to, I was going to, although I didn't want like Russia to get on my case and start like doing <laughs> shit to me. But I like, I was going to, I was gonna be like Petro keep crushing. But a um, couple other things. I do have a very good friend who is a Ukrainian. Um, he was a Ukrainian immigrant, went to grade school with him. And let me just tell this, tell you this about the Ukrainian people. They are fucking hard. This kid, Yaro is his name, Yaroslav. His name is Yaro Yaroslav. And he is a, he came over from the Ukraine. Really, really, really nice guy. Yeah. Like one of my good friends, honestly. And, uh, you know, as a grade school kid. And, um, and this kid was so strong. He was stronger than all the American kids. He could, you, and he was kind of a honey badger. Like sure. he, he's not the biggest guy out there, but this fucker is yeah. strong. Yeah. And, and so, um, I texted him and he told me that two of his cousins are in the Ukrainian army, um, fighting. And, you know, if there ever was to be a state that could be a honey badger, just n with my limited knowledge on this guy, Yarrow, they could be a honey badger. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. The, the spirit in that region of the world is strong. There are very, yes. very hardy people over there who do not take shit. No, they do not take shit. And he, and Yarrow is one of those people. So I was like, you know, they could, they could fuck up Russia big. Yeah. That Slavic spirit is yeah. nothing to fuck with. Yes, exactly. Um, so, uh, kind of back to, to the history. Um, obviously this is the most destabilizing thing that the world has seen since the second world war, um, hands down, um, especially Europe. Um, but I think the bigger question is what does Putin want? Um, yeah. that I think is, is, um, kind of the big question on everybody's mind. Um, and so looking into this a little bit deeper, obviously, um, the answer is that what does he want it's, is that it's complicated. Um, there is a bit of a shared history between Russia and Ukraine. Kiev used to be the capital of Russia. Yeah. A, a lot of a shared history. Yeah. I mean, 
they were one and the same until 30 years ago. Yes. You know, so it would be like if California broke off from the States 30 years ago. Right. Obviously, obviously a little bit different, but still it's like, but it's a lot of a shared history. Nine, most of Ukraine, the Ukrainian region's history has been as part of Russia, Russian empire, Soviet union, um, all that good stuff. Which is probably why Putin underestimated the will of the Ukrainian people because it was like, Oh, we're just going, we're going back to them. That's fine. Sure. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, they, there was a Ukrainian revolution in 2014. Um, cause there was the, the previous leader was, um, sympathetic to Moscow's wishes and desires. Right. right. So they could kind of do whatever they wanted. It was similar to like Belarus. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but then people rose up and said that we want a democracy. We don't want to be fully tied in with Russia. We want to do our own thing. Um, and that was like some of the beginning tremors of, um, of what we're seeing today. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, and going back and looking at that kind of pre, um, Ukrainian sovereignty era, basically they were all part of the Soviet union. Um, uh, the Russian Empire uh, was similar even before the Soviet Union. Um, Ky- Kiev used to be the capital, uh, was the first capital of Russia. Um, and so basically the, the, these places, whether it's, you know, the Czech Republic or Ukraine or Belarus, they really do have like, an, they're intimately connected. Um, 100%. With a shared history, yeah. And, um, and so really Ukraine as it is today has only been around for about... 30 years uh, or so. Um, And so how did that happen? Well, basically what ended up happening was um, the Soviet Union um, collapsed in 1991 with the fall of the Berlin Wall in 1989 and then collapsed. Um, And kind of, uh, you know, Russia used to be this the Soviet Union, which kind of was the, the mantelpiece of the Soviet Union, was Russia. And so um, it's left Russia uh, much weaker. So Russia now um, has a pretty strong population of about 150 million people, but they used to be much larger, um, much more diverse. And, and as, as a note, after the fall of the Soviet Union, um, Russia's economy is now basically the size of Spain's economy. Yeah, and they're almost entirely a petrostate. Yes. So if you want to think about the Russian economy and think about Russia in general, it really, really makes sense to align them with like uh, Saudi Arabia yeah, or Iran exactly. or yeah, Afghanistan, any any of the petrostates, any anything, any of them that you can think of. Um, they're you know that that that's what their economy is based on, and yeah. that, and that's why you end up with this oligarchy. Um, that's right. So so the Russian so Russian energy provides about fifty percent of the Russian government budget, and it's about thirty percent of their GDP. Yeah. So it's a huge... I, I believe that they're the second largest oil exporter in the world. They are. After they are. Saudi Arabia. Yes, they are. Which is... Second or third. Venezuela has a shit ton of oil as well. Yeah, I look... I, I look or I, I, and NPR says there's second. Okay. That's what I saw. Second. Um, so looking at this, um, basically with the fall of the Soviet Union, you had basically two kind of emerging alliances that kind of formed you had nato in this this uh 
this other alliance called the Warsaw Pact. And the Warsaw Pact um, was countries like Poland and Hungary and Bulgaria and the Czech Republic. And NATO was kind of under the, the guise, if you will, of like Britain, France, Germany. And the Warsaw Pact was very much under the guise of Moscow. Yeah. Um, the West versus the East. Exactly. And as we do know for a fact, um, you know, Poland is its own country now. It's not under the guise of, of Moscow. It's actually part of NATO. So this Warsaw Pact has slowly kind of dissolved, um, where the Czech Republic and Bulgaria have become and Hungary have become independent nations. They become westernized, um, which has kind of infringed, if you will, on um, Putin's once, uh, you know, proxy-controlled territory. And the, and the general security of Russia. If you look at NATO as an enemy, an alliance yes. of enemies, then the expansion of NATO to your doorstep is definitely a very bad thing and big red flags. And one of the simple things, I guess, that you could look at as causing this conflict is Ukraine's interest in joining NATO. Yes, that was a big factor. V- very simply, NATO, Ukraine has been talking about talking with um, with NATO to join, and talks have gotten more and more um, uh, serious. I guess that's recently. right. And the reason why that's such a big deal is in why Russia. So an attack with NATO, an attack on one of these countries in NATO is an attack on all. It's like Article Thirteen or Chapter Thirteen. It, an attack on one NATO country triggers all of the forces to have to basically generate force generation and they have to go and they have to supply forces to fight a war. Basically. Yes. Yes. So if you attack a NATO country, you're basically attacking the U S yeah, you're, you're attacking the U S you're attacking the European Western union. Europe. Yeah. yeah. You're attacking I mean, yeah. The, the European union. So it's like, it's a big deal. And so these Warsaw Pact countries were kind of surrounding um, Russia and, we're moving closer in. And so I think it's really important to note, obviously we are very anti-Putin, but it is important to note that NATO has been expanding and Western Europe has been pushing closer to Russia more and more and more and more and slowly over the past 30 years. So if you're putting yourselves in Russia's shoes and you are viewing NATO as an enemy, you are getting slightly alarmed by this um and and there, there were promises made that nato would not extend past poland and they did it and they did you yes. know so there's a history of like inching yeah inching inching closer um you know being an antagonistic um group right Nothing to this degree. Yeah, we th- all the all these additions to NATO were voluntary. There was no yes. by force. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but, but 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 if you're looking at the reasons why Putin and Russia would be like taking this seriously, it's good to understand um, understand this context. Yeah, they're losing there. So there's something really important about um, to understand about kind of where Russia sits geopolitically as well because kind of in between uh, Germany and the Eastern Ural Mountains in Russia, um, which are kind of like right before Siberia, you've got the Ural Mountains. Um, there's kind of like the Great Plains It's of, of Europe, just very easy to move through if you were to storm, if NATO were to, 
you know, storm. Um, Basically indefensible, indefensible, indefensible boundaries. And that's where Ukraine lies, is on the edge of that. Yeah, right the, in there. Yep. And on the western side of Ukraine, there's a mountain region, which is provides a great um, natural border. Yes. So if Russia were to control Ukraine, then they would be able to use those... Um, use those mountains as a natural border to protect the empire. If Ukraine was, say, a NATO country, then they would have significantly more um, open front that they would need to defend, and it's just all open plains. And they would need to build a bunch of inf- infrastructure, and it would be near impossible to properly defend. So that is definitely worrisome if you are a um, Russian leader. Yeah, they're, they're like this big blob of territory in the middle of all this action, Ukraine is. Um, and they weren't exactly quick to westernize. Um, they kind of played the Belarus game for a little bit um, and kind of being this proxy of Russia. Um, the, the westernization is only starting to happen, whereas countries like Poland westernized fast. Um, and so uh, you can see how Russia sees this this interest in westernization is a big loss for their empire. Um, and it's, and not only a loss for their empire, but also a security buffer. Um, that, yeah. That's, and, and, and loss of political control. Cause, cause up until yeah. 2014, they had almost complete political control over what, yes. what, what Ukraine did. But, and, then, but then there was the revolution and now they don't. Right. And then also if Ukraine were to join NATO, and potentially even the European Union, which I believe it has joined the European Union at this point. If it were to um, to join NATO, Russia would at that point be almost entirely surrounded by um, NATO on that on that east on that western front of Russia, and then on the other side you've got Alaska and Canada. So yeah. it's not super nice for Russia. Um, realizing that they're surrounded geopolitically as well. Yeah, and if, uh, so going back a little bit, I guess, one of the reasons that they took Ukraine, or I'm sorry, um, Crimea in the first place was um, was because uh, of the ports. So a lot of the northern Russian, northern Russian ports, they freeze over in the winter. And the ports on the Black Sea um, provide year-long access year-round access for ships to get in and out. Um, so it's a huge security. Um, it's, it's of huge security importance for the Russians to have um, have those ports. So that, that that's part of the reason why they took over um, Crimea, um, you know, a few years ago. And... And then there's there's oil at play as well. Yeah, which which we can talk about. Yeah, a let's bit. get into um, that. But but before we do that, I just quickly want to throw up my screen just so that people can look at the map of kind of what's going on here. Um, Russia is basically a landlocked state. They have like one major port, which is Saint Petersburg, um, which doesn't really have passage, um, easy passage to kind of the Atlantic, um, and so they do have like. Um, stuff on the on the uh, on the east coast of, of Russia and Siberia, but Siberia is a kind of a wasteland. So they're locked in by this bl- this Black Sea, um, and Crimea is this little island right here that Russia seized in 2014. And if and if you look at the Black Sea, the only way to access to get out of the Black Sea 
is through the I believe it's called the Balthus Strait in um in Turkey. In Turkey, and right here. Guess who is a member of NATO? NATO is Turkey. Yeah, which Russia was really, really, really not stoked about. At yeah, all. yeah. Because, yeah, that was a big one. Because then they're basically traveling through a NATO country anytime they want to get their warships out of the Black Sea and anywhere else. Basically, things have not been so hot for Russia. So, so you can understand why they might feel that drastic action is needed. I'm, I am not saying that it's justified. Um, but in understanding why, um, they why feel someone would be taking these of. actions, you know, it, it helps to understand Yes. Them. You have to be able context. to, you don't have to approve of your enemy's position, but you do have to understand it. It's critical to have the empathy to understand, okay, what might be, what might be driving their actions and are their actions an appropriate response? And the answer is the actions that are being taken are totally wildly inappropriate response. Um, but there is to Putin's, eyes and he said this multiple times over many many years is the u.s and nato don't believe in borders so i don't need to respect borders either and he there is whether we hate putin which we all do he does he is accurate that we didn't really have regard for uh iraq's borders when we moved into iraq in fact iraq looks very similar to what Putin did, a false flag operation where you say that there's weapons of mass destruction and we have to go in and we move in and we shell, 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 yada, yada, yada. The U.S. has done things like this too. Um, That's not to say that anybody agrees with any of it and I am strictly against it. Both of them. Um, This one's worse for a lot of reasons. Yeah, full-on invasion of a country. I mean, Ukraine is the largest country in Europe, you know, and is Russia the largest country in the world? Well, Russia is technically in Europe, too. Like Moscow, okay. the Moscow part of Russia yeah, is in Europe. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. The main I, parts of Russia are in Europe. Yes, the Well, not the main. Yeah. The, 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 the main population, parts, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, excluding Russia then. Uh, Ukraine is the largest country in Europe and home to 44 million people, I believe. And yeah, Russia just kind of blatantly invades. Um, Who knows what they hope to accomplish um, or actually instead of what they hope to accomplish, who knows what it will look like. Say they take Kiev, they gain control of the country do they annex it and make it part of Russia? Do they prop up a regime that is friendly and sympathetic to their cause? Who who knows what it's going to look like? Um, but I guess to go back to the ways in which um, Russia is a petrostate and a reliance on oil and that being a cause for invasion. Um, it's a huge cause, huge yeah. driver here. Yeah, so... So mainly, um, there are pipe. So Russia supplies Europe with a lot of natural gas and oil. A big percentage of their natural gas and a decent percent of oil, and um, all of that, or almost all of it, flows through Ukraine in these pipelines. 
um, they were building other pipelines, um, Nord Stream 1, Nord Stream 2. There's, there's a few other ones. Um, I don't but know. They were paying Ukraine a toll. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're paying Ukraine billions. Well, when the leadership in Ukraine was friendly with Moscow, they were not paying anything. Right. But when there's revolution, 2014, um, basically the new government said, hey, you guys got to start paying us. Right. And so they had to start paying out billions. So that's extra incentive for them to go in there, wipe out that government, put in their place a government that they're friends with. Yeah. That they don't have to pay billions, right? And, you know, if Ukraine joined NATO, if they became more hostile, they would have the ability to completely cut Russia off. That's right. From from its economy. And know? so a- another thing that, that needs to be mentioned is in 2012, they discovered a lot of oil and natural gas in Ukraine. Yeah. Um, actually, Ukraine, there, there might be. Yeah, they they believe that there might be, and they they, they believe that there might be so much that it's the one of the it's the fourteenth largest reserve of natural gas in the world. Yeah, definitely sizable. I mean, it's 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 the stuff that wars are fought over. Um, um, a, a a good bit of that was uh, is in the ocean, um, in Crimea. So in yeah, so two years well, later, it, it, it's 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 off Crimea. So it's in the territorial waters mm-hmm. of that 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 basically belonged to Crimea, right? So Another reason why Russia would want to go take that is because right. there's a fuckload of oil there. There's a lot of oil, and the idea of having basically another European petrostate is yeah, oh for sure is un- unimaginable. Like they, for they they could see themselves just getting replaced exactly with, with Ukraine with a NATO-driven yeah friendly proxy of germany and britain and they're using that to gain power yep Um, which which i think that in my eyes is probably one of the that's probably the most um plausible explanation well let's i think it's probably the because the president of the united states has a deal with a ukrainian oil firm called burisma hmm the you the you so if you're Putin and you see Joe Biden the whole Joe Biden laptop shit and the whole the whole thing is about a Ukrainian oil firm called Burisma, and Joe Biden has millions of dollars worth of shares. So you, if you're if you're Vladimir Putin and you're thinking, um, okay, the president of the United States has vested interest in taking over Ukraine annexing it into NATO and then literally he will enrich himself from this. Yeah. Drilling oil, supplying it to Europe, cutting Russia off. Yes. Cutting off Russia's economy. I mean, in that case, if you're Russia, what do you do? Yes. You know? And 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 the US politics has been so weird about these two countries long, long before this invasion. We heard Russia, 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 Russia collusion, this with with Trump the whole way through. Trump got impeached because of a call with Zelensky. Yeah, that's crazy, huh? They were, whatever's going on over there, it's weird. It's definitely not new. It's not new. It's a continuation of, yeah. It's, it's. A lot of behind the scenes action. There's behind the scenes action happening. And, 
these two countries, this conflict has been building up for a very, very long time. And it's very deeply entrenched with American politics and powerful people in this country, including the president of the United States. Yeah. Nobody's talking about that. But Joe Biden is in, is vested. He's been getting paid through his son hundreds of thousands of dollars a year from a Ukrainian oil firm by which Hunter Biden, I believe, is on the board of. So if you're Vladimir Putin and your economy is propped up on your petrostate, you don't sell anything. Basically, the thing about petrostates is they're really great for gangsters because it doesn't take a lot of innovation to just go and rip things out of the earth violently and sell them to people to burn. Yep. And, and and then you end up with the oligarchy. You end up with the royal family. That's right. You know, you end up with these groups that have obscene wealth. That's right. They kiss the ring. There's no industry in Russia. And so then you've got America clearly, you know, positioning themselves to go and and drill oil over in the Ukraine and supply it to Western Europe. And so Putin's like, I'm putting 200,000 troops on the border. Fuck you guys. Yeah, it's. Not saying that this is not, a good situation, yeah, not, but you understand not, not, what's happening. Yeah, not saying it's it's the right thing to be doing. You know, there's a lot of decisions that could have been made before. What those decisions are, I don't know. That would have hopefully stopped things from having gotten to this point. But since we are at this point, it's it's kind of easy to understand why things are boiling over in such dramatic fashion. And why we've been hearing about these for so long. I was wondering why everyone was so freaked out about Russia. The American political elites are terrified of Russia because they want to fucking make all the money over there. And so I found that to be interesting. So, I, oh yeah. No, go ahead. Absolutely. Um, I, guess, I guess for, throw another dimension to this because it's, you know, we sanctioned the shit out of Russia. Right? Yes. They're, it was honestly kind of cool to see the power Yes, yeah, see the power for sure. You you get to see everybody's cards. You get to see yes. like who has what cards and what cards are people willing to play, right? Yes. Um that's yeah, that that that's that's been very cool to see. Um but the the another dimension to this whole thing is China. China is a fascinating that dimension. It's it complicates the whole thing. Well, so there's a couple We could we could sanction Russia into oblivion, right? Mm-hmm. Assuming they don't go nuclear, um, which obviously would be terrible, right? But if you throw in a potential alliance with China, help with China, help from China, um, then, yeah, things could definitely get not so great for the West. China... um China used their power to basically... China knew that that Russia was going to do this. And it was probably somewhat in cahoots. I don't think China and Russia are particularly like, yeah, let's just be be best friends and we'll run through the forest together. Um, There's no friends in international politics. Yeah, they're not not friends. I mean, the only friends that I think there are are probably the European Union and the United States. Um, 
But even then, there's Sh- definitely shared interest. There's it, shared interest. It's a business relationship. Yeah. You know, if, if there were reason to. Well, and there's there's very easy language. There's been a lot yeah. of shared heritage. Yeah. Um, and winning two world wars together helps. Definitely. Um, Speaking of World War II, um, it was kind of, it was just interesting um, that the whole, basically, I mean, the West celebrated the fact that Germany was going to be investing and basically like remilitarizing and updating their military and um, getting, providing arms to Ukraine and getting like back in the war game. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. I saw that. Like, yeah. Germany. Yeah. Get back, yeah. get back in the war game. You know, it's like. Well, wait, 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 wait. Do we want to get back in the war game? <laughs> it, 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 it's just crazy that, like, I mean, how long ago was World War II? 70, yeah. 70 years ago? Yeah. You know? It's like, that's not even a full lifetime. No. It, it, it's it's just, it's wild how We're like, we're back in business, boys. Let's go. <laughs> it's wild. I mean, the, the Germans, if you think about the persona of countries, a country like Germany is going to do war well. They're terribly scientific, methodical. They are like uh, they're super, they're really heavy with their engineering. They're always going to be better than a country like France. I don't know. I don't want to fight on Germany's team. They're zero two. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> no Germany sure. might be the bad luck charm. Germany could go sit this one out, man. Yeah. I don't want to be on Germany's team. Germany can sit on the bench. We'll let the we'll let the guys who've won world wars do this one. Yeah, no shit. But but going back to China, um, yeah, it's it's very interesting thinking about China. Um, Russia was on our side in World War Two. Yeah, they were. So they were, and and um, China is very powerful. They're a an amazing country. Um, and when I say amazing, it doesn't mean that I'm bowing to them. I'm saying that you have to understand where power is and you have to respect power yes um and uh they definitely are on the rise um they have definitely um used an enemy within campaign in the united states um they're testing the waters with russia and i don't think they're loving what they're seeing i don't think so either i think they're hoping for a swift victory um, with Russia, yeah, and it wasn't, and as you can you could see that as soon as things kind of started to get a little bit bogged down, China started distancing. Yeah, themselves. China was like, like eh. Eh. we we kind of had your back, you know, we were, we were we were there standing by you, but now we're like, okay, yeah, you know, we're not we're not all for like a huge protracted war with the West, you know. Why don't you tell people what you read with Ray Dalio and kind of Dalio's perspective on kind of just the critical things with China, um. Do you, I mean, is there anything there? I mean, mainly Dalio was kind of hinged on, look, what happens in the next 70 years is going to be largely defined by what China does in this situation. Yeah. Yeah. The main, my main takeaway from what Dalio has had to say on the topic of like external wars is that once they get going, you don't know what is going to happen. Right. Very unpredictable territory. Yeah. If not the most unpredictable territory. We just do not know. Um, Something else that Dalio is definitely very interested in, in, and I know that um, you'll probably be happy to talk about, is uh, 
the role of a central currency, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or, or reserve currency. And we are currently leveraging the dollar status as a reserve currency yes. to financially isolate Russia. That's right. And, and, and the full power doing, of that is insane. Oh, it's insane. It's absolutely, absolutely nuts. Yes. But at the same time, in using that power, we are, it's kind of like a card you can only play a couple times. Yes. Maybe only once. Because once countries see that it's no, you, it's not safe to store their, their wealth in dollars because they can just get sanctioned off the face of the earth, then they'll look for other means. Yes. You know, what those other means are. We don't you're, know. You're seeing a big chunk of right. gold go up. You're seeing a big chunk of Bitcoin increase. Dalio bets on gold. Yep, sure. Dalio bets on gold. I, I I think that gold makes a lot of sense, to be yeah. honest with you. Yeah, um, I, I, I agree with that. But, but, but you never know what's going to happen with something like Bitcoin. The thing, that, the, the thing that's problematic with Bitcoin is that um, the Russians have gotten it um, using it um, to fund, to kind of get around some of these sanctions, but the power of a reserve currency to sh- yeah. sanction, I think, um, yeah, you, so Russia or China is understanding. So now the cards are on the table. And so now China sees what's going to happen from China can help Russia out. China can help Russia out, but China is also, so China, Russia went first, right? And so Russia is, China is paying very close attention to how the West is attacking um, Russia, and what they're go- what they're t- taking note of is how much pain is going to be inflicted upon us if we make our own move. I think. I don't think that they're looking at that. I think they're looking at how much the West is willing to suffer to sanction Russia. Right, and how, how unified. What kind of hit? Sure. We are willing to take on uh, on our economy. Sure. On our economic growth to stop Russia and yes. put Russia in its place. Because we can't sanction China the way that we sanction Russia. No. Russia's, like, one-dimensional. We haven't, and I, I believe there's a fight going on in Congress right now about whether we, um, like, cut off oil from Russia and whatnot. Mm. We still haven't even really touched their main lifeblood, which is the oil, right. right? Sanction damn near everything else, you know, cut them off from their reserves of cash, all this kind of stuff. Um, but we really haven't, like taken away their one thing with china we we're, we're so interdependent yes that we just can't do that yes exactly we, we, we can't sanction them off the face of the earth because the collateral damage to us would be it would be too great you know so i think that china's looking at um how much how strong we are yeah how and how unified i yeah, think the unification yeah. i think what was disturbing to china is China needs to, so the largest markets in the world are Europe and America. Um, Obviously, well, other than China. But China sells mainly to North America and Europe. Those are their largest markets. And so we're kind of in bed with China. Oh, very Um, much so. And China needs us and we need China. It's just really that simple. Um, Russia, the reason why I think we all hate Russia is because Russia is a petrostate. Their economy is so one-dimensional. There's no industry whatsoever other than selling the extracts of their vast resources. It's really actually quite bullshit to me. Um, and so basically, 
what that economy sets it up for is a bunch of thugs, a bunch of gangsters. Basically, Putin's a gangster. Um, if, if if we haven't... L- lead gangster at the moment. Yeah, yeah. And, and if we think that he... Um, one thing that I, I have lost respect for Vladimir Putin, um, I used to think that he was uh, actually an intelligent person, but the more that I've seen this play out, I've realized that he's really just a fucking power thug, and he's a bully. I, I, I think that one thing that is really not good for him is I could see him losing the support of the oligarchy. Yes. Where he might have the broad picture in mind of protecting the future of Russia, you know, all these things we talked about with NATO, right? Um, we'll, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt and say, like, that's really where he's coming from, mm-hmm. um, wanting to ensure Russia's longevity on the world stage mm-hmm. and as a country. Um, the oligarchy may not fucking care about that. They yeah. just want their jets and their yachts. That's and right. They just want the cash. And, and, and they these just, people aren't, they, they, they don't, they don't care about the future. So of these, Russia. they don't because, I'll, and I'll tell you why these people are oil thugs. Like it, it's basically if uh, the Mexican drug cartels ran a oil rich co- country and actually ran the government, what would they do? They would just, ex- they wouldn't sell drugs. They would just sell oil because it's easy and it's one dimensional and there's always a market for it. And so these people aren't, you know, these people aren't, you know, um, innovators, creators. Yeah. Yeah. They're, yeah, they're not yeah. out there with the academics doing research and trying to like, they're just selling oil and getting rich and fucking hoarding money, hoarding cash. hundred percent. Yeah. Which is why I loved the sanctions that, directly or any of the actions that directly targeted the oligarchy like not yes. letting their um jets fly in london in mm-hmm. like uk airspace like that was that's awesome exactly you know the, it's like that kind of stuff is going to hit yes hard and nobody knew so china russia this is a big feel out and nobody really knew the the west hadn't shown its sanction cards yet yeah and i think the sanction cards are pretty painful for any adversarial country to deal with. Yeah. At the moment, um, we are pretty unified yes. in our response to Russia. I, it's not going to last forever. Even, even in this country, um, the left and the right seem to pretty much be agreeing for on the something. first time in a long time, for the first time in a long time. And it's not, it's not going to last forever. Mm-hmm. Um, the last time would probably be like early, early, early days of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We were pretty unified then. Sure, uh, we don't know what's going on, but like, yeah, lockdowns. Okay, yeah, we'll do it. We we might not know, right? But like, w- there wasn't like a huge. It wasn't a hugely divisive issue, right? Um, it eventually, obviously, became a hugely politicized and divisive issue. Um, this will probably become that because it has um firepower with the public right but for the moment um internally and externally we're all aligned and i think that we're seeing the the power that that really does give us yes and how we're able to just it's pretty enormous yeah and it's painful and okay so one thing that i wanted to talk about with you is just some potential outcomes that could um come of the come of it some hopeful yeah and some um unhopeful so Obviously, I think most of us have been very concerned about what our future looks like, even just with the trigger 
an onset of the of the COVID nineteen pandemic into you know what we're seeing now into you know an American um, you know uh, attack on the Capitol, Trump, the political realm, right? I think yeah. most Americans are very concerned about their country. I for one am very concerned. There is a potential outcome here um, that I want to get your take on that gives me hope. Yeah. Which is, so, Russia and China, I think, are historically what everyday Americans would would consider to be our adversaries. Um, Russia has shown its cards, and they basically have received a stiff response from a unified world. Um, so stiff, in fact, I don't know if it's survivable for a political leader long term. I, I, I completely agree. Yeah. As a side note, I I am really really doubtful about the future of Russia and the future of Putin's leadership. Yeah, it's, I am too. If if there would have been a swift takeover, yes, I think that it it could have been survival. But things sure. have kind of gotten to the point where it's like it's dude, really bad. How do you come back from that? Yeah, you know. But continue. so so. Let's say that the oligarchy does turn on him, which I think we can feel safe saying it's going to be a matter of time until the oligarchy turns on him. Yeah, Assuming things stay the way that they are yeah, um, with immense sanctions and sure. a, a hesitant China yeah. and like, you know, that is a big thing. So if that happens, what I anticipate could happen is... The European Union and NATO, well, not NATO, but the European countries, are known for being forgiving. They've forgiven Germany Germany twice. Yeah. And now Germany is the most powerful economy, and they're in charge of the EU. Yeah. So, if you're an oligarch, if you're a Russian oligarch, and you're about, you're going to topple Putin... And you're, we got, we're having secret meetings and we're saying this, this guy needs yeah. to go. We got to find a way to kill him. Like, let's take him out. We're going to pull our people back. And what's the next move from there? You could align with China or you could say, look, we're sorry. This, it was this guy. It was this one fucking crazy man. And he was in power. He's gone now. And we want to Westernize. Yeah. Kind of pull a, um, Make it like a, make him like a Hitler or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I mean, that 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 would play well, I think. Um, yeah. So yeah. so hang on, bear with me. Yeah, sure. Russia is a country of 134 million people. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be the largest economy in Europe. Um, it would be a powerhouse country. Um, the question would be, what would you do with Siberia? And probably China would move into some of that area, I would assume. Interesting. Yeah. Um, because I just, I don't think China would accept a westernizing Russia, um, without some sort of gain. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that would be, yeah. I mean, what that would do would be remarkable for the world. You'd basically have China as a communist dictatorship, basically one of the only ones in the major ones in the world at this point, 
the only major one in the world at that point. Um, in terms of a powerful yeah, dictatorship, yeah, actually, they would yeah. be forced to play nice and um, almost have to westernize as well. Yeah. Do you think that? Yeah. So, side note: China has done a fantastic job building a relatively diversified economy. Yes, they have vast natural resources. They probably could have been a a petro state. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. know what they have for oil reserves and stuff, but they have a lot of land. I'm assuming they've got some stuff. They could have been a resource economy, but I think that they've made very smart decisions in, um, even if it is stealing our IT and stuff like that. Yes. Um, or our IP. Um, that was a choice they made. And yeah. it's probably a good choice, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so, side note, I think that was a de- de- definitely good for China to take that up, uh, that approach to the hard work of that's right building a diversified economy as opposed to um, just living off the um, China's trying the fruits yeah China's trying and for that reason I respect China more than I respect Russia y- you know who I respect is Norway why do you respect Norway because they are so they're pretty much a petro state too I mean there is their oil reserves that um, help them you know. That, that's their economy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but they are managing it. I think they're managing it extremely, extremely mm-hmm. well. Um, you don't see the uh, skyscrapers and the towers and the flashy casinos and stuff like that. And you say, oh, yeah, it's because the, you know, they're Scandinavian. It's like, eh, it, it could be the Vegas or the Dubai of, sure. of the North, mm-hmm. right? Um, but it's not. They're building mm. an absolutely massive sovereign wealth fund for their people, mm. and um, and I I think they're just doing a, a fantastic job managing it, and um, they're investing in their country, right? And I think they're doing things. I think Russia could learn a lot from, from Norway. From Norway, yeah, for Pro- sure. Probably more so than they could learn from China because yeah. they don't exert the level of like control over individuals that sure. China does. Um, but I think taking the Norwegian approach and investing in your people could be absolutely huge for yes. Russia to do. Yeah. Well, in, 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 yeah, no, that's, that, 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 that is what Russia should do. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if they did, if they lose this war and get rid of Putin, I would not be surprised if Russian, if the Russian people westernized. Yeah. A, a good solution would probably be, for them to get together with Zelensky, right, and agree to a ceasefire. Mm-hmm. Zelensky agrees to not join NATO. Ukraine says, no, we're not going to join NATO. Truly, NATO is a defense yeah. organization. Russia attacked them. They were able to hold them off. They don't really need NATO. Well, yeah, except y- for... You, you could argue. I think that NATO is an all-but you know, done deal because for the Ukraine after what yeah, they did, yeah. but after what happened, but, to but, them, but, like, but, but still the, 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 the only, the only reason I throw that in there is because it gives Russia, um, a victory, right? Because right. you're, you're walking away from the negotiating table. Russia's got to walk away with something, but if you're an oligarch, R- Russia's not going to just walk away and say that we lost this. But if you're an oligarch and you're like, no, Putin lost this. Russia didn't do anything. Russia just did what I don't, it said. I, I, I don't think they turn on him that hard. I, I, I think that 
I think there's a, a diplomatic um, ceasefire. They walk away. Putin gets replaced. There's They build Nord Stream 1, Nord Stream 2, integrate more fully with the European economy. And um, a lot of it is just... And slowly ge- gets sucked in. Generally kind of forgotten. Yeah. yeah. And, and, well, and, and, they, and they just like... I don't think the Ukrainian people are ever going to forget what well, happened. Well, probably not. But honestly... I, I think that the, the, the this this stuff fades away. You know? Yeah, but the, but I, I yeah I think so. But for 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 the foreseeable future, I think that the Ukrainians, the Ukrainians will not stop until every fucking tank is blown up or you know gone from run gone, gone from, from Ukraine. Ukraine. Yeah, for sure. And then they will immediately join NATO, and they will say never fucking again will you do that. <laughs> I don't see yeah. how that's not a possibility. I, I mean, oh, oh de- I def- definitely a possibility. I'm saying that this for me makes the most sense as a yeah, way out. A way right? out. For yeah, it, it, it would it would be great if we could just label Putin as a crazy guy and everybody, yeah. all, all the Russian soldiers turn their back and leave, right? And say, okay, the whole thing is done. Big mistake. Throw our hands up in the air. We're done, right? That would be awesome. Yeah. But um, I, once a war starts, hard to shut it down. I don't see it as realistic. But the problem is, there Russia can't sustain this for very long like they can sustain it longer than ukraine can for sure but but the, the, the international sanctions no they, it, it, they, that's what i'm saying they really can't the sanctions the man, way they will be able to sustain it sanctions is, is if they them. get into a currency swap program with china yeah which they're talking about doing um it, it, if they're able to do that and china steps up for russia yeah well they, they might then, they, then they would be able to weather the storm they could integrate more with the Chinese economy as opposed to the Western sure. economy, right? Well, and, and that's what you don't want, right? You like, really don't want that. You don't want that. Because, because then they're fighting a protracted war. Exactly. They're more strongly allied with China. That's China's right. dragged into the whole matter. Um, that would be a bad direction. But China has to be careful because we're ch- it's, it's very interconnected now. The difference between World War II and... And now is that this world is fucking crazy interconnected. I know a fucking guy in the Ukrainian army. I know three guys in the Ukrainian army. Yeah, exactly. Like the world is very, um, I know people in China, you know, like the world is super interconnected and that is a primary difference. And I think that that's where, I mean, China is seeing probably also the the power of cancel culture. The power of culture yeah. in this shit. Culture will crush yeah. any force. People are so aligned on Russia bad, Ukraine good. Yes. And that power is fucking savage because the people then go to Apple and they say, yank your products from Russian selves. And then they go to Nike and they and they go to every country and say, stop fucking doing business with those guys. Yep. And then people have a shit fit and that is probably the ultimate power. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's proving to be um, a... A surprisingly powerful thing. Yes. Which is the first time ever that this it's has happened. surprisingly powerful when it's unified. Yes. And it's powerful because it is unified. Yes. And it's not unified often. Right. Cancel culture basically said, I'm not coming for Hollywood celebrities more. I'm going after fucking Russia. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we're economic now. And if, if, if you don't think that cancel culture has power, oh, fuck, man. Yeah. You're in for it because tweets do have fucking power. 
I mean, and they lo- look at, I mean, I guess in, in the opposite sense, look at, uh, I mean, Zelensky gathering favor on the oh world stage. He's done an amazing Master job stroke. Honestly, without him, there would not be no this level of focus. No. You know? No. It would be, it would be a pretty big deal, right? Right. But it wouldn't be every single person. But, the, I mean, in, in the crazy thing is, too, Tom, is these unknowns. Yeah. Like, for instance... There's no way that Russia anticipated. Russia didn't want this to be a social media war, so they aimed to take out the satellites. Yeah. They aimed to, or excuse me, they aimed to take out the internet. And um, here comes Elon Musk with Starlink, and just sends a bunch of fucking Starlink receivers over to Ukraine. Russia didn't anticipate that. Yeah, one thing that uh, we talked about in a previous episode. Speaking of like media and gathering. Um, uh, favor with the court of public opinion is the banner job that South Korea has done as well of integrating Definitely. themselves with Western consciousness, Western media. Um, 25 years ago, if North Korea invaded South Korea or China invaded South Korea, it would be like for people in political circles, it'd be probably be a pretty big thing. Right? Yeah. It'd be like, Oh, it's crazy, but it would never spill over into popular right. consciousness. Nobody yes. would give half of a shit. Yes. But now that South Korea is intertwined mm-hmm. with popular consciousness, that's right. There it's would be huge defense. Oh, it would be the outrage would yes. be immense. Yep. It would be insane. So I think that countries are seeing that smaller countries, especially are seeing the power that being on the good side of global consciousness can have. Right. Here's an interesting um, thought that I had. So <clears throat> when you look at like long, long-term trends, yeah. Um, we started as like hunter and gatherer, m- you know, monkeys. Yeah that, you know, killed each other. And then we formed, like, civilization, which were, like, you know, kingdoms. And throughout modern human history, the world has progressively gotten freer and freer and freer and freer and freer. The people keep taking the marbles away from the leaders, if you will. Like, and we've only got a few marbles left. Distributing power dynamics as yes. evenly as we can. Exactly. More, it's it's become, the power of the world has become more and more decentralized with time. Right? Yeah, yeah I agree. And, um, and Yeah, and with um, increased communication structures. And, exactly. You know, all that kind of stuff. And we maybe even create those communication structures to fight back against the powers that be like the, like the, the, uh, you know, um, the, the highway systems or the, the, you know, those, those structures are meant, they're built for the people to thrive and grow. And so, I mean, in a very simplistic way, if you're China or Russia, are you really fighting a losing battle because this trend has seemed to be pretty pervasive since the beginning of modern history where we went trend from Chris toward, trend towards freedom towards freedom and yeah. less less centralized power and trying to hold on to that power is a f- losing battle honestly if this is I have, I don't have anything to back this up with but I think 
China's long-term game, game is probably to be somewhat of a democracy in sure 75 years. Sure. But in order for them to get from a place of being a bunch of farmers sure. in fields to having a globally integrated and diversified economy to the point where they are actually able to sustain a democracy, I think that for them to make that leap, they looked at it and said that they needed um, concrete, controlled direction um, from an all-powerful authority figure to be able to make that right. change. And that makes sense. And I don't know if that's right. Might, no, might, no, might but it makes sense. completely off the mark. Right, but, but it's, it's kind of on the mark with my question and kind of what I was insinuating. And I think that that I guess the the other question is though is and, and it's interesting is, is I guess the real question I have is is democracy China's destiny? I think so. I I, I happen to think so too. Yeah. I just think it's a hard for the reason. Here's why, and I think Ukraine is evidence of this. Once you get a taste of freedom, once people get a taste of freedom, you have to rip it from their cold dead arms. Oh, for sure. Yeah, there, there's, there's no going back. Once, once you get the freedom, and it's, and it works. Yeah, and there's too many people in the world yeah. now that will need freedom ripped from their cold dead arms. That it's a very hard thing. We've got a very robust free world between, you know, a lot of Asia, Japan, Australia, Europe. I mean, the North America. Yeah. Throw it, throw a dart at the developed world. Yeah, and you know. so it's like you're gonna have to like we saw it with the Ukraine. Like if 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 people want to say that if America were to come under siege, you wouldn't have a similar response. You, you're talking about the your freedom. Oh, for sure. People would freak the fuck yeah. out and they would <laughs> fight harder than somebody working for some guy 10 gazillion miles away that you've never met and you don't want to be killing people dude if there was like if the mexicans invaded across the southern border like the mexican military like oh decided yeah to invade across the southern border you would have i mean pretty much almost everybody i know hopping in their cars driving their south gun and just doing <laughs> buying a gun if they don't have one and yeah oh going, they have them going down there in to, this country they have them yeah I, i'm saying i'm <laughs> saying it wouldn't just be the people who sure. own guns right sure it wouldn't just be oh yeah no it would it be wouldn't, it wouldn't just be the right it would be an organized i, I, I think thing. i think it would be everybody look right? we don't we don't necessarily all like american in this country but we do all enjoy the freedoms that it gives us and if that freedom is threatened which which russia is threatening freedom right now you're seeing the response. Yeah, yeah and, and global stability after a time of instability mm -hmm. with, you know, the pandemic and everything. It's like everybody was just wanting to get back to normal and get the economy just, like, fucking ripping. So that That's right. <laughs> good times, like, let's go. Yeah, we'll, we'll start focusing on, like, you know, the environment being sustainable. Like, let's, let's all just make a bunch of money and, exactly. like, be here for a long time, right? And then you have, like, a, a bad actor trying to... Yep. Um, Trying to integrate. It's it's or crazy. Trying, trying to blow it all up. I wonder, yeah, interesting. I mean, all I know is what I learned from this Russia-Ukraine thing is you do not want to face a fighter who's fighting for freedom. 
No, you don't. It is not what you want to do. When you're on the side of a restrictive totalitarian government, you do not want to fight somebody that you're challenging in a free country trying to take away their freedoms. It's not going to work. It's how the it's how the Americans beat the British. It, ma- it makes it's, me it makes me want to watch Braveheart. No, exactly. Like freedom. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like Yeah, exactly. It brings out this savage thing in men. Oh, for sure. Hundred percent. Like you want to take my freedom, you can fucking rip it from my cold, dead body. Hundred percent. Fuck you. Yeah. That it's the go fuck yourself yeah. mentality. Like yeah. I don't care. Blow me up. I'm a martyr. Sh- fuck sh- you. Should we tell them to go fuck themselves? <laughs> yeah, just in case. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like, and you know, I have been hearing these reports of Russian troops crying and surrendering without a fight. Mm. I'm That's sorry, crazy. but there are no U- zero Ukrainian troops crying or surrendering without a fight. Yeah. They are holding the line with no technology and no weaponry and completely outspent, completely outmatched these freedom fighters. It's it it gave me hope for the western world. 100%. People love their freedom. They don't necessarily love their country where they're from. But they love being able to walk down the street and say, let's go, Brandon, and fuck Joe Biden, and fuck Donald Trump, and fuck Nancy Pelosi. They love that. And you rip that from them, it's going to turn out bad for you in the long run. Yeah, I agree. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about it more. Yeah. It was crypto last year. It was fun last year, but this year might be Russia. Yeah. And honestly, (laughs) it's an ongoing and developing situation that um, I'm sure that we will be continually dissecting as it unfolds. Saying prayers for those Ukrainian fighters. Glory to Ukraine. Glory to Ukraine. This is the Vantage Podcast. Mason Pereira. Thomas Cordell.